Tommy Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald, and I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you, Lorenzo? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Checking our levels. Do we sound <laughs> Do we sound good there? Yes. <laughs> if we ever sound distracted or or stumbling no, over our no, words, it's no. because we are recording. <laughs> oh we are being God. the technician and the producer yeah. and everything the, all at the same the time. The coffee boy. The, exactly. <laughs> so sometimes I have to signal to Lorenzo. I'm like, does, does this sound good? Are we yeah. sounding okay? Anyway, uh, um, you're missing all the signs. Yes. <laughs> all the signs. All the silent threats that we make it you know in the, During the podcast when yeah. you're married for decades you just develop that telepathy and then oh you don't God. even need to use words anymore that is very true um, a lot of a lot of couple, couples out there yeah i mean i think our podcast is the most talking we do to each other in one <laughs> session all week long oh my God. the longest conversation we have sound with each like other. we don't talk oh, come on how many married couples sit down for know. an hour and have a conversation every day you guys come have on. to remember that we work together all freaking day not all day but you know most of the time but day, yeah but we're lucky enough that our place is big enough that we just we're just in we're in separate, our separate corners when yeah. when um lockdown happened in 2020 we were giving a lot of advice <laughs> to a lot of couples out there because we had been working right. at home right, together right. for a decade over a decade at that point and um we kept saying to people like you cannot you cannot hear your you, you if you hear your spouse during the workday, you're doing it wrong. I know. Like I, you should not be able to hear their phone conversations or listen in on their meetings. Yeah. You have to be in separate worlds as much as I possible. I laughed a lot with uh with a lot of comments people made like in the lounge talking about like during the pandemic having to work at home with their with their spouses. Right. And like their spouses wouldn't understand that I'm on a computer right now. It means I'm working. Don't right. talk to me. Don't turn the TV on so loud. And right. like, stuff like that. It was just funny to read and all just those a shout out to Lorenzo uh, because people never quite fully understand how much this site would not exist. Our entire enterprise would not exist without the work Lorenzo does behind the scenes. Um, all the tech stuff and I stuff mean, like that. Yeah, just this yeah. week, I, I tuned it out because speaking of spouses on the phone, Lorenzo had to take meetings with advertising and technical people this week to go over things with our... And that is constant. That is, you know... Right. That's the kind of stuff Lorenzo does all the time. There would not be a site without it. Oh, thank um, you. And he also does all the research and he sources all the photographs and he does all the formatting on the on everything. So when yeah, there is no Lorenzo. There is no Tom and Lorenzo without Lorenzo. Where is this coming from? I don't know. You just work so hard. I just want people to know it. Um, anyway. People think I I dominate because I am like the front facing. I'm supposed oh, to be know, the but voice. No, but 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 it's it, our voice. Yeah. always, 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 it's, always. It's, uh, yeah, this was an agreement we made a long time ago that that Tom would be the mm -hmm. the one that literally steps up to the mic more often than not. But Lorenzo just, is the it's one just the that, way it is. Yeah, I Lorenzo can... is the sunny to my share. There would be... <laughs> that was actually very self-flattering comparing myself to share. But I, anyway. No, but the point is that sometimes I don't like to talk much. That's that's why you do right, the talk. That's why I tend. Yeah, yeah. You, you tend to talk more. It's just that it's just the way it is. Um. Um, yeah, it, it's not 
because I, I feel like I can't speak or anything. Right, right, it's just right. the, the way it is. Uh, I agree. Sometimes I, yeah, I don't like to talk much. <laughs> I know. Um, so, but this, this week we're going to bat around uh, really just one topic of conversation, uh, which is the sex scene discourse. And we'll unpack all of that for you yes. and explain what it is. But real briefly, I also thought we would touch upon um rihanna at the super bowl mm-hmm. uh we're like five six days late this all this probably feels like old news at this point but i thought it was interesting this is not going to be a long conversation i really loved her performance mm-hmm. um uh, it it was just a simple straight up here are like eight of my best songs and i'm just going to deliver them to you you know with no frills i mean if you can call standing on floating iPhones over a stadium, no frills. Oh, those were iPhones. No, they weren't, but they kind of, they did <laughs> oh look like now iPhones. They, now that's all I can see. Yeah. No, they were just clear plastic um, stages. Uh, the staging was incredibly impressive, but people um, were disappointed. Uh, and there was a lot of rhetoric about how low-key the performance was mm-hmm. and how it seemed almost low effort. Um, and I... Just, yeah, I got a little. I mean, it's not like, oh, Rihanna's my girl. I've got to defend Rihanna. That's not it. But um, I just feel like, as we tweeted later the the next day, it feels like people have been really conditioned to believe that if you're not doing a full blown Beyonce choreography number right every time, then you're not performing. And sometimes a singer just is there to sing, and and especially Rihanna who. She's done choreo. It's not that she's never done choreo, but that has never been her thing. She has never been the girl that gets out there and does these complicated routines while she's singing. She's always been. This is always why this is why I think I love Rihanna mm-hmm. so much. She's just this total stoner chick with attitude and a fucking phenomenal voice who happens to be stunningly gorgeous so she could always just come out and be rihanna she, she never had to do much more than that because right. she's got the voice right she's got the look she's got the attitude and she's high all the time yeah but but you <laughs> so could, she's very very laid back in her performance right style. but you could say all these things about beyonce that she she has the attitude she has the look she has I, the voice she has all that no but, i don't think and, so at and, all. and and she still delivers no, I, I, wait let me just back i think there. it's it's different approaches here like how they they perform i think yeah in a way. I, I i would not say that about beyonce i would say that she's got the look and she's got the perform but beyonce is she comes to the stage having done a shit ton of work to get mm-hmm. to that point I, I and she's gonna you make mean. you mm-hmm. see that work right. she's going to make you understand Mm-hmm. how much work is going into this performance. It's about precision. It's about the movements. It's about the imagery of a whole army because and let, she her, her dancers are almost exclusively black. And that is because she is making very powerful statements about blackness, about black womanhood. Very different approach. That's not Rihanna right, at right. all. Well, here are a few things. Um, first of all, I, I we're actually going to have it on our site today. Uh, Rihanna is on a cover of uh, British Vogue. Right. And she talks a little bit about the Super Bowl. And she talks about how she's been approached for many, many years. Like uh, she says every year for the last 10 years, uh, people you know, invite her and blah, blah, blah. And right. she says no. And then she then 
recently she said no because of what was going on with the NFL uh, that I don't want to get into it. But anyway, she said no. She made a statement. I, I, I can't support this, blah, blah, blah. And then she decided to do it now because she felt that, you know, she has a voice and she does uh, and she can, you know, do something. So that's why she decided to do. Uh, but apparently, you know, she was approached this time like a few weeks before, which is crazy because most of the time... It was longer than a few weeks. Well, that's her statement for the magazine. But in, in what I'm trying to say is that these things are you usually have like six months to prepare and to, you know, decide what you're going to do and everything. And it did feel a little like, okay, I'm going to do it and this is what I'm going to do it because I'm also pregnant. So I can't be jumping around like crazy, which makes sense, obviously. Right. Um, so... I was a little surprised when I when when the whole thing started. I I she I noticed that she wouldn't move. She was she was like just standing there and singing. I was like, what's going on here? The whole song she's just standing there. Uh, the dancers are doing all the moves. You know, they're dancing, they're moving a lot, and the camera is moving. But it's pretty much that red dot in the middle there. You know, not doing much. Um, and uh, I can only imagine if you're there. I mean, I'm, I've never been, you know, to a Super Bowl, but I, it must be weird to just not see a lot of action going on while someone is. Uh, I'm assuming she was lip syncing. Uh, is not really her singing. Um, uh, I think she was singing with a backing track of her own vocals. Yeah, I so think that, there were times where right. she was relying on the backing track, but there were other times where she was clearly singing live because she was breathing into the mic. You could right. hear it. I do think it's an interesting approach. Like uh, when when the whole thing started, I turned to you and I said, "My God, I love all her songs," and I do. Like it always remi reminds me of Fire Island. <laughs> when we go to Fire Island, they're always they're always playing their her songs. Or at the gym, I'm always playing her songs. So she has incredible songs, and and you know she can deliver. She has a beautiful voice. I really like her voice. Um, so that all worked. So I. For the first five uh, minutes, I was a little confused, but then I kind of like settled, you know, the whole thing settled in a, a, a little bit, I think, and I just enjoyed her voice and her performance. But I do feel that the Super Bowl is one of those opportunities where you, you have, you know, you can be big, you know, larger than life. And most of the people invited have been like that. I mean, if you see like Kate, Katy Perry or you see Jennifer Prince. Love. Right. I mean, people always bring that example. Well, who else then? Um, the Rolling Stones did. I mean, there were plenty of Coldplay. They weren't, right. you know, cold, Chris Martin wasn't doing backflips when he did perform. Like, it's number one, it's gendered. It's gendered. It's like women are expected to come out and just give you a full-blown acrobatic performance on top of singing. I do. And I that agree expectation with that. Yes. is not given to men. It, there's also, um, I think there's a racial component to it as well. Like um, black and Latina singers like J-Lo or Shakira are expected to go out there and shake their asses like crazy. But you would never expect... I, I mean, I don't. Mean, I know Lady Gaga probably. I'm sure she danced. She Madonna danced, but I don't think people were. It wasn't that much of an expectation that it was going to be about the dancing. Right. Um, uh, I understand, but it. It. I mean, Madonna was giant. Her whole thing was huge. Uh, Katy Perry did, and something that's why crazy. I kind of liked this scaling uh, back. This scaling back um, on Rihanna's part because I think these shows have gotten wildly overblown in the last few years and it was for me at least mm -hmm. it was refreshing to see someone just make it about the songs and i didn't think it lacked visual interest like the the thousand white black uh white backup dancers dressed like sperm 
Uh, and she was like this soul egg being oh impregnated. My God. Uh, I thought it was the visual was fantastic. I mean, the dancing was amazing. It they looked amazing. The 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 um stunt of doing that all on these platforms that are mm-hmm. like you know right, right. hundreds of feet in the air. Right. It worked for me. I didn't need to see her. You know twerking or doing backflips or whatever the hell else people right. expected from her and like i said she's never really been that girl i that's what i said that's why i said in the beginning i was a little confused but then my eyes kind of adjusted and i enjoyed yeah. the music and i was like all right this she's is got it. such a great back catalog of, of songs oh my god her songs are amazing one right after another yes, her songs are really really great and um yeah i i sensed a little bit of attitude not in a positive again, way again that's who rihanna uh, is that's she gives you attitude right beyonce gives you precision like that's the difference i, I understand so that put me off a little bit doesn't put me uh, i love that for about a, her. like i like i like i said i love every, a stoner chick with a great voice everything for a few <laughs> minutes it was all adjusting like all right okay i'm fine oh wait no i'm fine with this and right. then you know and then it was over but all right, yeah. we talked about this too much. I thought we were going to do it for about five I minutes. I know, but All we, right. we can never do anything moving for on. five minutes. Anyway. Moving on. Um, Penn Badgley, the star of You, Netflix's series about a sexy serial killer, um, did a series of... Oh, I think he dropped these comments first on a podcast, and then he followed them up with several interviews because they blew up. Um, where he talked about how he did not, for the upcoming fourth season of the show, which is, it's a very sexy show. I, I don't watch it, but, you know. I watched the first season. His, his, his a huge part of the appeal is, is mm-hmm. him in the role, because he's very good looking and he's sexy. And he, um, you know, made it clear to the producers of the series that he did not want to do any more sex scenes on the show. Um, and th- that, I think it was reduced the number of sex scenes or something like yes. that. Yes. And um, he said going forward he did not want to be doing them anymore and he talked a bit about how uncomfortable he make they make him feel um and i think the thing that people really latched on was this implication on his part that he was somehow being uh, unfaithful he's married right mm-hmm. um and that these scenes is, were somehow e- equivalent to cheating re- stupid it's really stupid so i just want to and you know this all, you know, discourse happened as these things mm-hmm. do. Uh, and I kind of wanted to plow through some of it because uh, I, maybe it's because I'm a Gemini. I don't know. But I have a tendency to want to see both sides of this conversation mm-hmm. because I, I'm fully Gen X and I'm a gay man. So I'm my of course, my first reaction is, oh, my God, because what happened is they turned into this whole discussion about do we need sex scenes? And then there was all this mm-hmm. this discourse about um, and it was mainly coming from millennials, but mostly Gen Z, um, you know, media consumers who were saying uh, all, uh, listing all the problems that they have with sex scenes and how sex scenes make them uncomfortable and how there is literally no reason whatsoever to ever have a sex scene. And so all of the rhetoric, of course, got very absolutist. And then on the flip side of that, you had a bunch of culture writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and because and the more established you become as a culture writer, the the older you tend to be. So we're talking culture writers who were older millennials and Gen X that, who were being very dismissive of these concerns. And I, like I said, I, I, I spent the whole week reading a bunch of articles and a bunch of essays on this whole thing. And I just feel like there's, there's a discussion to be had here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I will just lay a little bit of groundwork. But Lorenzo was just like, ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite the head off this microphone and spit it out. Let me just lay a few things down. Okay, so, but um, I do think that the idea of um, having uh, sh- uh, being an actor and shooting a sex scene, if you think that's somehow being unfaithful to your spouse or your partner. No, I think you show a lack of understanding as to what acting actually is and what is expected of you as an actor. Maybe so you should get another job. That is a not a particularly defensible point of view. You are creating art, and art is not real life. So just as when you fake murder someone on your serial killer show, you're not actually murdering anybody or mm-hmm. doing anything that could be m- morally... Uh, uh, um, related to murder. There is no moral component to acting out, to creating art that shows unpleasant things or shows things that you don't want to, you know, mm. do in your own life. That's what art does. And as an actor, yes, you should understand that. When you are having shooting a sex scene with an actress, you are not actually cheating on your spouse. And if you think that way, that is a very childish way of looking at acting. Having said that, he was widely criticized for making these comments and made fun of for making these comments. And the whole time, hate to throw this right in there, but I, it's true. The whole time I was reading all these pieces, I was like, yeah, but if an actress said this, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. If an actress came out and said, I don't want to do sex scenes anymore, they make me uncomfortable. No one would question that. And rightly so, because... It is widely understood that sex scenes can be incredibly dehumanizing for actors, that Hollywood has a very bad reputation, long history. Mm. Uh, And it's only in the past few years that hiring intimacy coordinators on set, they are basically people who direct actors through sex scenes so that everyone feels safe and And nobody is is exploited. There's a long history of exploitation there, a long history of, of actresses, but also actors, being forced into doing things on screen that they don't like doing in front of whole crowds full of people who are watching them. It's humiliating. It's dehumanizing. So on the one hand, if you think it's akin to cheating on your wife, well, that's very childish and silly. But on the other hand, if you feel that as an artist, you have to protect your own self and set boundaries as to what you're comfortable doing, I don't see a problem with that. Um, and I, one more thing I want to add is that it really jumped out at me. One, in one of the interviews Penn Badgley gave this week, he talked about being 12 years old. I didn't know he was a child actor. And that he worked on a film uh, called The Fluffer. And I remember when that movie came out, it hit all the gay... Um, film festivals at the time it was a big deal because the lead actor was incredibly hot and he played a gay porn star it wasn't an x-rated film um but uh, the fluffer refers in the title refers to someone who fluffs up a dick during a porn shoot in order to keep it there (laughs) well of course that was the title of the film and he said he was 12 years old and he didn't know what the title of the film meant and he went and looked it up and you could tell in the interview he the there's a part of him that really feels appalled that he was exposed to that at 12 mm-hmm. um, in a work situation. Of course. and I agree. Um, he has every right to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that that colors... I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, that's a little fucked up that you were on that film and, and nobody cleared right. that with you and your How parents that didn't. Even yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a little fucked up. I know. So I kind of, I do see where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. And he has that right. Um, I also want to I'm, I'm going to toss to you. I've done okay. a lot of talking. So I no, also want to add uh, that it's, it's becoming a habit now that every time a celebrity, an actor is interviewed and they those critics and this and social media and everybody just take one statement out of that interview and then it becomes a thing for the next four days uh and it's it becomes the discourse yeah, yeah. which is kind of annoying because sometimes it's not worth that discussion well we're uh, contributing to it by I, doing well this. because so many people were talking about it yeah. and and uh and it's not done in a, in, in a productive way sometimes. Uh, you know, they're all talking about what he said, and then it turns into, oh, my God, poor actors. They have to have sex. They have right. to pretend they have sex. And, right. oh, my God, that's very, that must be very uncomfortable, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure it is. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I'm naked with another actor pretending to have, you know, an orgasm right. in front of 30 people, you know, right. di- directing my hand, my, my leg, my arm, or whatever. Um, it, it must be an awful situation, you know, not a great place to be. Um and 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 then you know, I understand all that, but I think it just turns into all these segmented conversations and things, right. you know, that 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 stem from something that just someone just said, right? Uh, happened to just say during an interview. So yes, I think it's uncomfortable, uh, but it's part of your job. And and uh, and honestly, if you are the type of actor that you don't want to do any of that, then just say so, you know, don't get hired. Don't take those roles. Exactly. Which, you know, do your thing. Right. Um, Right. Right. Like we saw the whole thing with Ruth Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. Um, he was talking about like how he didn't want to touch her on the red carpet because it felt like he was cheating on his because, wife or something. What and I was the like, fuck? That is so childish. What? That's childish as hell. The, and it's, but and again, I mean, which let's is, which is also bullshit because you don't want to touch her on the red carpet. I'm not saying you, but then another actor will will have sex with somebody else someplace else. You know, during shooting a movie, and so if it has to happen, it happens. Certainly not. Gonna, I don't. I think you lost me. But okay, no, I don't know what you're not, saying. No, my point is that if you want to cheat on your wife as an actor, you're going to do it, and it's not going to be on the red carpet touching someone. That's my I think, point here. I think these attitudes, uh, like like the Ashton Kutcher one, and to a certain extent the Penn Badgley one. Um, also, we have to acknowledge that this is happening in a post Me Too right. environment, which Me Too st- hit Hollywood very, very hard. I can't say there was long term systemic change involved. <laughs> But um, it did hit Hollywood very hard, and it it did actually do um, serious damage to the general public's understanding of what Hollywood is. Mm -hmm. Because now everyone just thinks it's full of pedophiles and rapists, and that's all that Hollywood is. Um, You know, in light of like the Harvey Weinstein thing and and the the Epstein Island shit and all that stuff. But... It's typical male, straight male, like, oh, I can't even joke. I don't even want to, you know, I, you know, I can't even tell a lady that her hair, you know, her blouse is pretty or I don't want to be having drinks with any female coworkers after work. There's this whole, uh, you know, retreat on the part of men that is ultimately 
you're kind of dehumanizing your female co-stars if well, you're acting the like well, well, they're so red hot, they're right. so radioactive right. that they're going to destroy your marriage if you touch them. You're just showing your true colors when you make comments like that. Right. Oh, I didn't want to touch her because you know I don't want people to think. Well, you're, you're, you're clearly dismissing the whole thing here. You're not taking the real issue seriously here. Right. Uh, you're just kind of mocking in a way. No, no, they're they're two different things. And I do think that Me Too and all these things are amazing and great and and, and created a conversation and, and created opportunities to, you know, change things. I think this is all incredible. But it's a little scary to see some sort of like, I don't know, reverse, you know, <laughs> action here that now you can't talk about sex at all. Well, let's talk about the generational thing, which we haven't gotten to that aspect of this conversation yet. There was a lot of discussion, as we said, um, among um, media consumers uh, that I would place in the under 30 crowd, which would make them young, very young millennials and um, uh, older Gen Z. Um, and, you know, there's a term uh, referring to this sort of movement uh, of uh, especially Gen Z online on social media, the, there, this tendency for Gen Z to be very prudish about matters of sex, and the term is puritans. Um, this idea that Gen Z is this puritanical generation um, that is taking us all backwards um, with their you know retrograde ideas about sex. And I, look, I always, always react badly to these sorts of thing when when we start haranguing uh younger generations mm -hmm. and claiming that they're going to be the downfall of civilization because of this or that i mean 10 years ago it was avocado toast and millennials and they were just you know destroying the world and destroying breakfast cereal and destroying all of our institute you know and now it's sex now it's and all i gotta say is I, i'm it's not um uh, the idea of this puritine thing, mm -hmm. this puritine uh, phenomenon, it's not untrue. Uh, I have observed it myself. Um, it's hard not to see it when you're right about pop culture and, you know, you will regularly wind up engaging with fandoms that are generally fairly young and they can be really weird about things like sex. This just happened a couple weeks ago on those of us, those of you who follow us on Twitter probably saw it unfold because we were laughing about it at it the time. It was insane. Um, we, we posted um, a link to a, a post about Pedro Pascal being on, on, I think it was The Tonight Show at the time. And he had just, a few weeks earlier, had... Um, uh, sat on the red carpet at the premiere of The Last of Us. He read a tweet. That he, they, that the reporter for, I think, Entertainment Tonight made him read a tweet or something about him being uh, a slutty daddy. And he said, that's right, I'm your cool slutty daddy. And he's been running with the daddy thing for a long time now. He's been doing it in interviews, and uh, and journalists have referred to him as a daddy to his face. And then after this all happened, um, the week after we posted this tweet and all hell broke loose on us, he was on. Um, he hosted Saturday Night Live, and they did a whole bit about him being the internet's daddy. He has embraced this. So anyway, we we tweeted something about you know cool slutty daddy pedro pascal is on the tonight show and all of these puritines basically because you click on any of them and they're all teenagers or at i think the oldest one was like 21 or 22 years old um just haranguing us how dare you sexualize this man and which i had to laugh at. i'm like he's a man he's a grown adult man and i'm a grown adult man i 
I can sexualize them if I want to. This is weird. You know, you use that term when you're talking about children or something. Yeah, but somebody, when you're talking about another adult. Stop sexualizing Hispanic Another adult? And, I will and, sexualize adults, and thank Hispanic you. Hispanic men, remember? Uh, Latin men. <laughs> Latin which men. I laugh at. I'm like, well, I've been sexualizing <laughs> Latin men for the last 30 years. Um, oh, my God. Uh, it, it was awful. And it caught me by surprise because, first of all, I didn't know any. I didn't know he about the interview and the and the tweet. And I didn't know any of that. Right. I just saw you tweeting. I didn't know he had a teen fan base, but I know, between but the Mandalorian, God, yes, yeah, and and this, and that's the other thing is, uh, you know, a lot of this puritine stuff is coming out of fandoms, which are, I mean, I will never have nice things to say about fandoms because they are the bane of my existence as a culture writer, um, and fandoms, online fandoms, young fandoms, and cur- actually not just young fandoms. I saw this with Outlander. Oh, I God. see it with superhero stuff. Yes. Has not, actually, youth has very little to do with it, and gender no longer has anything to do with it either. Women are just as bad about this stuff as men are. Um, and in fact, the ones that were screaming at me the most uh, for calling him a slutty daddy were all young women. Um, and I said to a couple of them that, you know, this is starting to smell a little homophobic to me. All these cis straight women telling me not to sexualize a, another grown man. Like, who the fuck are you? Anyway... <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, right, puritine stuff. I forgot. They, and it's, it's interesting to watch because here are all these like 19, some, some were as young mm-hmm. as like 15, and I wasn't engaging with them at all. But like 17, 18, 19 year old young women who clearly have a crush on a man old enough to be their father. He's, he's for, 47 years old, Pedro Pascal. Oh, he's 47? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, because they were exposed to him a lot. They all had Mandalorian uh, PFPs and Mandalorian names and everything. So they were exposed to him through a Disney product where he is sexless as hell. He's actually featureless that you don't even see his face in in the Mandalorian. And it was very clear. It's like, oh, you're having these dirty feelings about a man old enough to be your father and you don't know how to process them. So you're lashing out at other people who such as myself, have no problem expressing sexual feel. Like, you know what I mean? That's what it is. And I think a lot of that puritine stuff that you Mm -hmm. see is young people in these fandom, these very insular, infighting fandom communities where they constantly reinforce certain behaviors and perspectives and constantly attack other ones. Um, and I'm just going to say this. I had I, I got my start online in the 90s uh, getting into the comic book community online. And so I have a long history yes, you're, you're, with you're nerds moderator. and online fandoms. And I will. it has always remained true. It is still true today. Um, online fandoms are eventually going to be dominated by the people who have the most time to spend online. And the people in these groups who have the most time to spend online are people who don't have much of a social or personal life. So you're going to get a lot of, it was very true back in the day with comic books, you're going to get a lot of repressed virgins who just haven't gotten out of this community and they're foisting their own repressed virginal ideas onto the community and they get reinforced and elevated again and Mm -hmm. again and again. My point is, when we talk about Puritines and Gen Z's supposed issues with sex, this is not a generational thing. It is an online thing. It is a fandom thing. You were talking about these... 
these intense little subsets, you are not talking about a generation. Because after all, Gen Z is the generation that made Euphoria an enormous hit for HBO, and that show does not lack for sex or drugs or any other bad behavior on screen. I feel this conversation is an interesting one to have about the the need for sex scenes, whether you need them or not, right? And whether actors have the right to, you know, say that they don't want to do them. I think this is all interesting in the wake of things like Me Too, Hollywood exploitation, and and you know, evolving attitudes about sex. But um, I also think the alarmism coming from the people defending sex scenes is overblown you're just seeing a bunch of fandom people online overreacting right, right. and one actor who well for whatever reason thinks you know shooting a sex scene is cheating on his wife i don't think there's some big cultural shift happening i just think you're seeing a lot of online rhetoric being blown well up. that's the thing i don't blame him too much but i i, I blame more the uh the uh the availability now of of platforms where people just go and vent and and and, right. and yell at other people like the the Pedro Pascual saying um i it was it, it caught me completely off guard like right. I, I was you posted and then later hours later i checked and i'm cuz that's how it works you post something and then i check later uh you way more engaged on twitter than i am um and so i read it and i was like what huh what what slutty what daddy what right i had no idea and they're yelling at us and and coming back and yelling more and more and more which is so absurd right number one absurd because yes it's it's fans um and, and this idea that you can't discord anymore you can't have a disagreement anymore on social media you just can't i mean you have to be a hundred percent behind something or they will attack you uh all the time. That's how I feel about uh, Twitter and social media in general. Um, about movies, should they have sex scenes? Yes, absolutely. Are they too long sometimes? Yes. Are they badly done? Yes. There's all that. Yeah, I said this before we but clipped on the mic. But that's true of any other theme. Yeah. Sometimes. That, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sometimes I see a, a violent scene uh, or a fight scene, and, and I think it goes a little too far right. or too long. Um, so the same same thing with the, with the sex scene. And yes, it is uncomfortable. I've been in situations, we've been, I, I'm sure all of us have been in situations where we're watching a movie with friends or, or, or your father or with your mother and then, you know, they start having sex on screen and right. you're like, oh my God, shit, what do I do now? I mean, it happens and what are you going to do? You're going to blame the, the industry for what's going on with you right now? Maybe you should check, not watch the movie with, I don't know, make your choices. But you can't just close you know this 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 you know just say we can't have sex scenes anymore and people were suggesting stupid things like oh maybe we should have a button where we should just skip the scene right <laughs> what no. the hell come on i mean i i i think people generally are very bad about engaging with art and with media their cultural right. and media literacy has gotten much much worse um but like I said, I'm I'm not predicting any sort of major cultural shift here, except to note the one that has already happened because um, most major movies don't have sex scenes in them anymore. We, I mean, we aren't in an era where there's a lot of sex happening on screen. If like anything, the, the most popular films uh, are the most sexless films. I mean, no superheroes superheroes don't have sex at all, and they're the most popular films, you know, every year. Um, we, so I, I do understand why cultural critics have latched on to this because they, they are seeing, um, 
a, a shift in how this stuff is represented in art. And I, I agree. I, I feel like we are working through a particularly sexless period in our art, in our in our mass cultural art, like movies and television and stuff like that. But you know, these the I don't know. Maybe again, this is the Gemini in me. But I'm just like, well, the the pendulum always swings one way or another. And it, right now, yeah, we are swinging towards. Uh, we are in an era where um, sex scenes are just not all that dominant in our in mm-hmm. our entertainment as as they once were. But I, they're not going away completely. Number no. one, and they never will. Um, like there was all this talk this week about the Hayes Code, which was the code imposed on in Hollywood on motion pictures in the 1930s. If you look at films prior to the imposition of the Hayes Code, they were there was nudity in them. There were sex right. scenes. There was uh-huh. drug use. There were gay people. Um, and then the Hayes Code came along, and all of that went away uh, until like the late 60s. For like 30 years, the Hayes Code dominated. And make no mistake, the Hayes Code was retrograde. It was a terrible thing for the culture because um, it forced a view of life on Americans that did not represent their own lives. And for 30 Mm -hmm. years, Americans struggled with this idea of how they were supposed to look and act that was at total odds with what the world looked like. That's why there was so much repression and rebellion in the 50s and the 60s, because um, it had been, uh, at that point, a full generation of couples sleeping in separate beds and and, uh, criminals always getting caught by the police and adultery always being punished on film and no homosexuals at all on film. And that wasn't the world. So, you know, it, it, when when something like, when a f- cultural force as powerful and pervasive as Hollywood um, starts uh, imposing a false view of the world on the public, um, that is a net bad for the culture. That is absolutely, mm-hmm. ba- it kept uh, queer people in the closet and, um, and abused and discriminated against for entire generations. It kept people in marriages that they never should have been in. It whole generations of people had completely fucked up ideas about what sex was all because of Hollywood imposing the Hayes Code. But it's been over 50 years since the Hayes Code has been, um, uh, go ahead. Um, it has, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just interrupted. Hand signals. There's hand signals going on. people. It's go been 50 ahead. years since the Hayes Code was dropped. And no, I just don't think it's going, I don't believe we're going back to that sort of puritanical, no sex, everyone has to, you know, a couple sleeping in separate beds, just because some uh, Gen Z fandom people overreact to this sort of shit online. I just don't believe it. Listen, I get it. Sometimes, like I said, I'm watching a movie and I think the sex scene is going too far or or, not, not far, just too long. I tend to think most of them are boring, but I don't think they're... No, no. I mean, and we talked about this, like... There are certain movies, certain stories that you need the sex element. Like absolutely, uh, there's the we just saw the uh, I saw the uh, Lady Chatter Chatterley what is it Chatterley's uh, Lover, uh, with Emma Corrin, um, which is all about sex. The book was about sex. The whole thing was a scandal because it was all about these two who couldn't stop having sex. Um, they were obsessed with each other. So the movie's about that. So how can you remove that? You can't right. remove that and have a movie. So sometimes you need the sex element. You need that component. Uh, and if you can't deal with that, then, you know, maybe you should be watching something else. Um, and and also, it's, it, it is, this conversation is very interesting because it's also a reflection of our culture and how we approach sex and how we see sex and how we... Are, 
how comfortable we are with sex because I watch a lot of international shows and the approach sometimes is completely different. Uh, I watch shows, European shows and so on, and they have people naked, but it's a different approach. Sometimes right. they're just naked because they're naked, coming out of the bedroom or whatever, and it's it's there because, it's, you know, you can question, you can say, well, we don't need that, we don't need to see that. Yes, yes, and no, maybe, maybe, you know, we, we could we could be having the same conversation about guns and everything. Do we need all these guns? Do we need all these fights? Do we need all this torture um, that we see? You know, so uh, yeah, all this is questionable and 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 a matter of choice, I think. But we can't eliminate because the few are uncomfortable with it. I mean, you can have the conversation and you can you can improve how things are done. I do agree that sometimes um, the sex thing is just nonsense. I mean, like you watch a lot of movies, you watch a lot of shows, and they always have to. You're just waiting for the time when the two of them are going to have sex. Um, and sometimes it's not necessary or sometimes you can just, you know, show them getting together and then move on to something else because it's not important. But sometimes you have to see the whole thing because it's part of the story. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation, but I feel like, uh, with social media and everything now, every time an actor says something, then we just have to dissect. We just have to like give it a lot of time and, and, and thoughts. Uh, well, I think people have a lot of thoughts about sex scenes. Right. It's, it's what's fueled by a lot of people weighing in on this. Um, and yeah, I think you, there's a lot to unpack here. There's generational stuff. There's issues of exploitation. There's uh, the whole history of Hollywood. Um, all of this is in the mix of this conversation, which is why I thought it was worthy for us to bat around. But um, ultimately... I don't think sex scenes are really going anywhere. We don't see them the way we used to in the 80s and the 90s, um, but I really don't believe we're heading back to the 1950s either. Um, we're just in a period now, and again, I think post-Me Too has a lot to do with this, is we're trying to figure out um, what kind of sex we want to see on screen and how we can see it in a manner that isn't exploitive. Um, that's all. I... I agree with you and i do want to reiterate this point that sex scenes are an integral part of art mm -hmm. and storytelling they don't have to be in every piece of art or every story told but um they are important there is you know um there are such there is such a thing as a bad sex scene or a pointless sex scene but that doesn't mean they're all bad or they're all pointless um and i think um a lot of this puritine stuff that you're seeing is just young people in these online fandoms who are obsessing uh, over, they have these sexual obsessions with these, uh, you know, stars, and they're, they're just sort of lashing out at people, like, they don't like people expressing sexual thoughts about their own sexual obsessions online, so they lash out at it all the time. And it creates this community of people who are constantly lashing out at sexual expression, young people. But I truly do not feel it is a broad cultural movement. I feel like it is largely uh, limited to under people under 25 and i don't say that to be dismissive i say that to point out that um and we i did tweet this earlier this week so much of this discussion is freaking out about people who have no ability to affect the culture because they're too young mm -hmm. they're not 
they're not cultural movers and shakers. They are merely consumers. Uh, I mean, maybe when they're all make when this generation is making movies and passing laws or whatever, and they're more in charge of the culture, maybe we should be concerned if they start outlawing sex right. scenes and stuff like I, that. But I don't think that's what's happening. I don't. Right. I, it's just young people working their way through shit, and there I cannot get upset with young people having. Um, complicated, fucked up ideas about sex, because first off, we all did when we were young, and secondly, sex is so much more confusing now. Uh, We didn't even have the concept of consent when I was a teenager, Um, let alone the concept of the gender binary. Right. Um, So... I'll let the kids work it out. It's not going to, they're not going to work it out the way we did because they're living in a different world. But I just don't feel like this discussion. I, I do think that the two uh, branches of this conversation got mixed up. You know, got, as always, that's, that's with the, discourse. I think that's the issue here. Yeah. I think it's valid that the, the, the kids are out there having this conversation or question or whatever. I think that's all valid. But this whole conversation about, oh, we shouldn't have sex anymore. Because it's and, cheating on my wife it, or something. It, it, it's, it's stupid. And, and, and it, doesn't help at all uh, because the more you shame sex, the worse it is for you and your personal life. I mean, I know because I see a lot of uh, gay sex scenes on, on you know. Do you? Whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Joking. Where, where were you? Where do you see this, sweetie? <laughs> anyway, my, like the last of, window? Yeah, like happening? The, the last of us, uh, for example, you know, when they have sex, I mean, when I was watching that sex scene for the first time, all I could imagine was like, all I could think of was like, oh my God, all these people are just horrified that they're seeing this. So, so should we not have it because people are horrified by it? Or should we sort of have it and then you make your decision to watch it or not? I think it's a more healthy approach to it. Um, how it's done, uh, protecting the people involved when they are pretending to have sex on film. Yes, I think it's extremely important valid uh, because, yes, you can be forced into situations that, you know, because you want a career, because you want that job, you end up doing things that, you know, you don't want to do or didn't want to do and then scar you for life, like his case. So all that is wonderful conversation. All this is great. But yes, uh, movies need sex. Sorry. Yes, we all need sex. All right. And on that lovely note, uh, thank you for listening. We'd love to hear what you have to say about anything that we batted around this time. Uh, We'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes and crosses our desks. Until then, uh, take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye.